Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Happy Independence Day to our listeners in the United States. A belated Happy Canada Day to our friends to the north. And to everyone else who doesn't have a holiday right now, happy Saturday, everyone. This is David Bixenspan here, joined by Sean Rossap for a special post-Beast in the East edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Uh, as you probably noticed just now, we are recording this episode via talk shoe because my MacBook is still in the shop. So More like yeah. whack book. <laughs> that made me laugh. That made me laugh much more than it should have. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that's why we sound different. We are doing this via our cell phones through a internet doohickey known as TalkShoe. But yes, so we had the uh, WWE Beast in the East show this morning, early this morning, U.S. time, uh, evening Japanese time. Uh, as expected, turned out to be a very good show and some pleasant surprises too. I think it turned out to be a much better show overall than anyone expected, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, I thought it was a great show. They had a two-hour window, so the New Day Lucha Dragons match and the Cesaro-Diego match were not included. Um, Although, I I wouldn't mind to have seen Cesaro just crush Diego and then that other match. But the two-hour window fit so perfectly because it was... It was just wrestling, and it really worked. It felt like almost like an ECW show to me because of the lighting and how much wrestling there was. And it, mm-hmm. it was a really good show. I enjoyed it. I I thought it was just awesome all around, personally. Now, what I didn't really get, though, was... Uh, so what happened with the scheduling of the live show? Because I thought that once... I thought that the live show was scheduled 4 or 5.30 a.m. Eastern, or I think it was 6.30 p.m. local time. So I was a little confused that they started, that they were able to have matches go on before the advertising. Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe Diego main evented the show, and we just didn't see it. Well, we know that the tag match went on before. Yeah, I was being sarcastic. Diego did not main event that show. <laughs> um I don't know, but I think it fit. It ended up working out very, very yeah, well. Yeah, no, they I think had, it worked out for the better that way. Yeah. They had, what, five matches on the main show, which is perfect for two hours. Uh, and one was very short. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, but I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. But I thought that everything about this show was great. It was a Saturday morning show. I, I didn't watch it live. I woke up much later than that and, and watched it later, and uh it was it was a cool feeling to wake up, watch a show, uh, enjoy it, and to record a podcast at about one thirty Eastern as opposed to one a.m. Eastern. That was nice. Yeah, uh, I tried. I I didn't exactly try to get up and watch all of it live. I 
did the thing where it was like, well, if I happen to wake up and need to go to the bathroom or get a glass of water or something around the time of the show, then I'll try to watch it. And I think I like I ended up like waking up like around like five fifteen. I was like, hey, okay, this is cool. And Are you fifty? You wake no. up and go get a glass of water and empty your bladder and no. all that stuff. I just keep a gallon by my bed, man. Do it times. That, that was those were some wonderful details. Wait, a gallon, a gallon of water to drink or a gallon bottle to do other things with? Oh, a gallon of water to drink. What am I? You uncouth fool. First off, last Monday, you lied to our listeners and said that John Cena did the, the, the beautiful Bella Buster out of a fireman's carry, and it was not. You misled our beautiful, wonderful leader or readers that I would never, ever lead astray, and now you're insinuating that I pee in a jug that's right by my bed. No, thank you. I live in beautiful Kentucky suburbs. I, we don't pee. Well, I can't say that nobody else in Kentucky pees in jugs here because I'm pretty sure my neighbor does. But, David, come on, man. Well, I don't even know how we got there. But yes, I think I, I think I woke up, went to the bathroom, and then fell back asleep at like 5.20. So I then I think I woke up like right after. So they had, I think I had, I had it playing. So I think I woke up then. Like right, like a call, like a minute into the NXT title match, and then I watched the rest of it pretty much live, and then I went back and watched the rest later. So, yeah, I guess let's just go to the beginning, which was so we had. Now it was Michael Cole and Byron Saxton on commentary. Um, now, did they? I don't think they ever outright said they were at the studios, even though it was obvious and everyone knew. Correct? No, they they were saying things like here in Japan they made. They made it seem like they were there, but I believe they were in the studios. And I was impressed with their work today. I was ab- I loved Michael Cole and Byron Saxton today. Maybe it's because they weren't being produced. Uh, I wouldn't put it past Maybe. Vince McMahon to be up and looming over their shoulders at 5.30 in the morning, but it certainly didn't seem like that was the case because this was honestly some of the best WWE commentary I've heard in years. Yeah, so yeah, let's get this out of the way. They, uh, I mean, I I didn't think that Byron Saxon necessarily did a great job. I felt he still sounded like Byron Saxon does on Ron SmackDown, maybe a little better. But Michael Cole did an excellent job. I mean, no no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, he, now, I wasn't following the Twitter trends. He said they were trending on Twitter, were they? As far as you yeah, know? Yeah, they, they absolutely were. I mean, it's not hard to get things to trend at 5.30 in the morning, though. No, but, but, but still. Byron, no, but Saxton, they, Byron Saxton, I thought, I mean, he sounded the same, but I mean, the quality of his color commentary was yeah. through the roof in comparison to SmackDown and NXT. Have you ever seen me? On Twitter, I will complain about how often that he and uh, Rich Brennan and Tom Phillips call moves as "oh ooh" or "oh man," and that was that was drastically reduced on this show, which leads me to believe it's it's something that maybe maybe coached, which is horrible. But I, yeah. I thought it was excellent, Michael Cole, for many people saying that he just simply isn't a fan of wrestling outside of his job. Uh, he he came well prepared for this event. He did a ton of, he clearly did a lot of prep. Um, but overall, I think it's just a matter of like, think about all the times we've seen Michael Cole, well, heard, however you want to put it, Michael Cole, where he was not produced by Vince McMahon. 
and he's generally very good. Look, his first run as the lead announcer for Raw, he was uh, produced by Jim Ross most of the time, and still, even though that was when he was still pretty green, probably the best call of Michael Cole's career when uh, Mankind McFoley won the title for the first time is during that run when Jim Ross was producing him. Um, then, you know, there was the... Oh, it was the show when they showed a showdown at Shea from 1981 on Classics on Demand years ago. It was him and I think Mick Foley doing commentary because that show didn't have commentary that was done live. And he was very good. And, you know, it was it was fun and it was loose and they cracked a lot of jokes about, you know, the type of thing that they, yeah, did, that they do because uh, they knew that Vince wouldn't be watching it. They made fun of, it, of mistakes Vince was making as ring announcer and stuff. And then today, clearly not probably not being produced by anyone directly as an announcer, I would think, because, well, also, for those who don't know, Michael Cole, I believe, produces the announcers on NXT, or at least trains them, and he did a really good job. I mean, he was calling the match pretty well. I mean, there were some moments where I would I would guess he knew what it was, but he knew we couldn't say the name. Like, later, um, Finn Balor used the Bloody Sunday DDT, and he... Cole knew that it was a finisher level move for him, but he didn't give it a name. It was like that's it, it was something like he that. He he's going to win. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It. yeah, but he knew it was a finisher, and he knew there was significance to it. So that makes me think that he it was just something he was not. He knew he wouldn't be allowed to say, which was weird because there was there were a lot of references to New Japan Pro Wrestling and IWGP titles during the show. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I felt like it was it was a good mix of uh, them. It was, it was a good deviation from the normal WWE announcing style, but it also integrated it well. They were able to tell stories uh, during yeah, the matches yeah. while calling the match. Uh, and it feels like on Raw, Michael Cole has just the personality sucked out of him. If you all want to see just him with personality, Google some of the wild lines uh, – between him, like with him, Jerry Lawler, and Tony Chimmel, where they are absolutely destroying Tony Chimmel for not knowing how to say women's and things like that. Yes. Uh, I believe those are all called WWE or WWF off the air, I believe, and you can find some of them yeah. on YouTube and Daily Motion. Yeah, it's funny stuff, but I was, by by the middle of the Neville-Jericho match, I, I just knew the show was going to be good because I heard a... a magical difference in the commentary and I almost forgot how much uh, good commentary could add to a match in WWE because we live in a time where it really seems like Jimmy Uso is their best commentator and he's not really that good. Right. So, uh, And we yeah. can make it clear, you alluded to it though, this was still WWE style commentary. It still had the tropes yes. And the and maybe some of the faults of WWE style commentary, but it was good. I mean, but it, yes, it, you could see it fitting into the Vince McMahon vision, but it was good and it wasn't as rote and uh, frustrating as the commentary usually is. Not yes. by a long shot. I mean, is, I, is yes. that the best way to put it? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, started the show video package about you know Lesnar and Owens versus Balor and it, it this whole thing was so weird because they really didn't promote any other matches, but 
the main well, we'll get to that. The main event was a well, you know, let's just let's just go go past that because there's that we'll get to that when we get to the alleged main event. So Grisharko beat Neville in the opener with what was called as the Lion Tamer, which well, I didn't you know, was I actually the have, Lion Tamer. Well, I, the reason I say that is I'm trying to figure out. When Jericho has had an opponent that was able to take the proper lion tamer instead of the walls of Jericho, regular Boston Crab, have they called it the lion tamer before? I don't, I don't know, but it was, I think did he? He didn't do it at one night stand, did he? Against Storm, I don't believe he did that there. Um, I know, but I, he's done it a few times with a guy who oh, was yeah, flexible enough. But I mean, to, I just insinuated that if. It happened in that match. I'm sure Joey Styles called it as such. Yes, but. yes. Well, that, but remember, though, that's, Joe, that's Joey Styles on his first night, not knowing that he's going to be hired full-time three months later, Joey Styles. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it was funny because when I saw him lock in the Boston Crab on or the Walls of Jericho on Neville, I was like, why isn't he doing the Lion Tamer? Why isn't he doing this? And then later he did, and I absolutely flipped out. It was great. Yeah, so this was – I kind of – I didn't think they'd have a bad match or anything, but I'm not usually a fan of the Chris Jericho dream match, work rate match, like the one he had against Rob Van Dam on Raw a few years ago, which actually was something I saw live and stuff like that. Just like ever since he's been, you know, the, the modern version of Chris Jericho, when he has that match, I'm just not always a fan of it. Uh, but I thought this was excellent, though. I don't know if it was that he was playing heel or at least subtly playing heel – or that it, that just the pacing or something. I thought this was an excellent match and probably maybe even the best match Jericho has had in the last several years. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was expecting maybe a, an eight nine minute match, and it 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 was it exceeded my expectations. It was very very good. It set the tone for the rest of the show. Uh, it was it was excellent and it was great to see like I said great to see Chris Jericho bust out the lion tamer, great to see the crowd react to him. Uh, it's it's just it was the perfect opening match uh, for especially for this show. Uh, Neville was fantastic as always, and you know I, I almost thought that Neville would go over just because Chris Jericho generally when he shows up just. Pops up one time, he'll he'll you know kind of put somebody over. But I think this was the right move because you're not going to hurt Neville at all by losing to Chris Jericho in Japan on this event. So I I thought it was great, and uh, yeah, they 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 definitely in during his last two runs have made his wins and losses uh, a little more unpredictable. So that that's good. Right. And uh, one thing I liked was that they did the guy springboards into the code breaker spot, but it wasn't the finisher once. Yeah, I, yeah I, like I probably that. would have. I would have hate, probably ended up just hating this match if that was the actual finish. Yeah, I was. Like I said, uh, awesome match to set the tone for the rest of the show. Yeah, and actually, before we go on, I did want to point out. Uh, I don't know if it's WWE's camera angles, and lighting, or whatever. I felt like sumo, the way they shot Sumo Hall looked way cooler than when New Japan won Sumo Hall, at least as of late. Yeah, I mean, they have, I don't know about their increased production values uh, as it pertains to over there. I mean, obviously they have, they had a good setup because it ended up working and 
like I said, it was reminiscent of a, of an ECW show, but it was in a, in a very good way. I mean, there were there could be good and bad ways that production could remind you of an ECW show, but this was definitely a good one. It was an awesome atmosphere. I'm really excited to see how they do other shows like that because, and now I have no inside information to lead anybody to to think that to make me think this, but I am assuming that the Australia show will also be on the WWE Network because Brock Lesnar is booked. Or at least they're, they've made a shirt, a, a Brock Lesnar Suplex City Australia shirt that leads me to believe that he may be at that event as well. And if he's at that event, they are going to air it on the WWE Network. They are not wasting Brock Lesnar appearances. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, I know they are planning on doing at least a few more of these. I'm not sure where, but yeah, I would think that would be one of them because it's, because we know they're making the the Suplex City shirt for that tour. But, yeah, I thought that they really got across in the way they shot the show that Sumo Hall is just a very unique-looking building on the inside. I mean, they shot shows the outside, too, but they shot it and they configured it in a way where it just looked very unique and very cool. Not exactly, but, like, similar to the way that, like, like if you've ever seen, like, the the couple shows they did at Royal Albert Hall like in the nineties, like like that, where it just it's a complete looks completely different from anything else they do. So I really I really like that, that it just helped get across the uniqueness of the show. Yeah. I, I like different just in, in any situation like that because you know, the, I'm sure they want an identifiable look, but a few years ago when NXT started and they, they added those extra camera angles that would like kind of pan around the ring, I thought that was great. Anything different I mean, if you show, if you're going to show me the same Roman Reigns versus Kane and Sheamus versus Randy Orton match, they're not going to do anything new. So you might as well show it to me from a new angle. At least give me that respect. And this was yeah. this was a good show. This was a good uh, situation for them. Yeah, I like I like the alternate camera angles they did on ECW on Sci-Fi too. At least early on when they had the separate entrance set and they curtained off the stage and. They move. They had a second hard camera, which they moved to be opposite the uh, announcer's table, so it looked yeah. and it looked different. Yeah, I mean, it was. Whenever WWE breaks from the usual WWE production, it's there's it's usually at least interesting. Yeah, I agree. And by yes, and again, not not that it, we should really be surprised, but Beast in the East, the hashtag for the show, I believe, was the number one trend at least in the United States, if not worldwide, pretty much for the entire duration of the show. Yes, as it should have been at 5.30 in the morning to 7.30 in the morning. Yes. So, next match on the special live special was Nikki Bella defeating Paige and Tamina in a triple threat match for the Divas title, and I thought this was pretty good. I mean, I, I don't know if it was necessarily much better than the matches that have been on t- TV lately, but you know, I felt like it was if just because the crowd was more into it. Yeah, the the crowd at least showed them a great deal of respect. Uh, I think Tamina has absolutely lost a step since she came back. She has been, she has like her offense hasn't looked as good. She had that miserable clothesline sequence with Paige a few weeks ago on Raw, probably the worst I've ever seen. Um, and she didn't look all there in this match. I mean, maybe she's not completely healthy. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, I, that, that's just speculation. But uh, I, 
I think that she's lost a step since she came back. Hopefully she can regain it. Uh, but I thought this match was, was just fine, uh, especially for where it was on the show. It was, I, I want to say, maybe a 10-minute match or so. Uh, so, Bella retained. It was it was just fine. Like, yeah. There was one unfortunate uh, spot calling issue, though. I mean, in terms of audible spot calling, when they they did the Tower of Doom in the corner, and I saw someone maybe on Twitter, I don't remember where, saying that this happens every time the women do the Tower of Doom. Did, now, did you notice this? No, no, I didn't. Okay, so they go to do the Tower of Doom. I think it's the, like the first step. You hear one of them say, go, Ready? Another one. Oh say, wow! Okay, yeah. And then they they finish setting it up, and and then one of them yells out, "Okay!" And they do and they do the spot. Yeah, I guess this match was actually shorter than I thought. It was seven minutes according to Wikipedia. But then huh. again, it has it has Cesaro versus Diego as the dark match listed at twenty six minutes. <sighs> And Lucha Dragons also at about 26 minutes. So, my are God. They, uh, did they, is there a citation next to those times? No. Uh, needless to say, well, actually, maybe there is. Let me see. No, no, no worthwhile... Uh, no worthwhile citation, at least. I, I don't see either of those being realistic. Maybe it's because you're a hater, hater, alligator, and you don't want Diego to get his just due. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. So I just wanted to say yes. They have Cesaro defeating Diego. Oh wait, no, these do have citations. Well, they have citations for these, at least next to the result. Okay, so let me follow. Yes, these. it's just a Twitter account. It's just a Twitter account. But does it have the time? No, not really. It doesn't. Okay. So I, we're spending I, too I, much time on this. Yes, we are. We are spending. We're spending way too much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This doesn't have the time. Okay. Uh, so I lost track of where we were. For the, okay. So yeah. So the Divas title. Divas match title. Yes. Uh, so next was uh, Brock Lesnar versus the man whose name had not been mentioned on TV as his opponent until the moment before the uh, oh, before the video for their match aired, which was uh, Kofi Kingston. And again, yeah, he did not have New Day with him, I guess, because I don't know what, I guess because they already wrestled or whatever. So in that sense, I feel like the match was a little disappointing because there weren't, there wasn't as much in the way of New Day shenanigans as we hoped for. But it's not like it was bad, right? I mean, it was still awesome. Oh, by all means, it was the best two minute and 40 second match I've ever seen in my entire life. Honestly, I mean, Kofi Kingston got some offense in, which Brock Lesnar no sold outside of one drop kick. Uh, Kofi reversed the German suplex as he probably should have in that situation and landed on his feet, then ate about two or three more, got F5'd and pinned. It was exactly what it should have been. Uh, It was Mike Tyson in the 90s. It was Ronda Rousey today. That's what it was. It's Brock Lesnar killing a guy, then his friends coming out to help him, and Brock Lesnar killing them too. So it was... It was textbook. It was perfect. Everybody expected it. Uh, I saw a thing on Reddit where somebody made a bold prediction for the opening 
of uh, this weekend's or this week draw, and it was just a graphic, a rest in peace graphic for Kofi Kingston. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it was exactly what that match should have been, and it lived up to uh, the hype. All two minutes and forty seconds of it. Okay, now I'm looking something up. I'm trying to figure out if, in terms of regulation match time, it took Brock longer to beat Kofi Kingston than it did for him to beat Big Show at the Rumble last year. And yes, it did. I know there were extenuating circumstances, but the but uh, the Big Show match was over in two minutes two seconds. Wow. Well, Brock Brock sat out there and had a little more fun after the match. He. Uh, clotheslined all the members, or Biggie and Xavier Woods, who came to Kofi's rescue, then F5 both of them in impressive fashion. All three of them took the F5 very well. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was especially impressive the way he uh, kind of, he, it seemed like he had to exude slightly more effort to get Biggie up, but not, but he still didn't have any issue with it. And it, yeah, it, uh, it was just a little hiccup. I mean, nothing major. You'll have that. That made me want to see a uh, Haas Division match between the two of them, though. Oh, yeah, I've always wanted to see that, although I can't see Brock being too keen on taking the bump off the Big E YOLO dive to the outside. <laughs> is that the name of that move? It, the unofficial name of it is the Big E YOLO dive. So, Okay, that's that's interesting. Like, oh, but yes, this this was fun. Uh, but yeah, I did kind of wish we got a little bit more in the way of shenanigans. Although, <coughs> excuse Stop me. Stop understating this match. It was great. Although I did, I did love Kofi running away in terror at the beginning of the match. Yes, it was perfect. Stop it. Stop pretending like it wasn't a perfect match. It was a perfect it was. match. No, it was. It was. So then we had Finn Balor and Kevin Owens, and as expected, Finn Balor won the NXT Championship in what ended up being the second longest match on the show. And again, we'll get to that later. They went uh, just under 20 minutes. Excellent match. Uh, your mileage may vary how it compared to the various uh, NXT TakeOver main events and the Kevin Owens uh, John Cena matches so far, but this was an absolutely fantastic match. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I prefer some of the NXT TakeOver main events to this. I thought it was absolutely a good match. I'm not knocking the match at all. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Uh, I thought that the streamers at the beginning of the match were just fantastic. This is the first time my girlfriend had ever watched a show from Japan, and when she saw that, she thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. So it was it was really neat to see things that were incorporated uh, into that show uh, that actually translate well to casual fans over here because needless to say, she does not exactly... She would not have watched a 26-minute Cesaro-Diego match. I'll tell you that much. But uh, she did watch this match and she thought that was really cool. Uh, they had the, the flowers that were brought out before the match and Kevin Owens tossed his up, up the uh, up the the entranceway. Also, they one stayed, thing, I believe they stayed there until into at least the next match too. Yeah. Also, think, whose bright idea was it to bundle up all those streamers and leave them right next to the ring where the guys could trip over them the whole time? Throw them under the ring, you lazy goose. But uh, yeah, 
Finn Balor and Kevin Owens had to avoid the giant pile of streamers repeatedly throughout the match. But excellent match. Uh, I love that Kevin Owens, after all the crazy stuff he's done on the independent circuit, one of his signature moves is now a headlock. It's yeah. it's great. Uh, headlock City is one of his signature moves. The guy who used the package pile driver forever. It, I love that, and that's really a testament to how well he can get almost anything over. Um, I was one of the people that a few years ago didn't think he would ever wind up in WWE, but then again, I didn't think he would ever get his condition anywhere near it needed to be to do so. And he, he proved me wrong, and I'm glad, because now I get to enjoy him on shows like this and watch him do exhilarating headlocks, which is always fun. But... uh yeah, it was it was a good match. Uh, they went back and forth. Uh, I actually had the ending spoiled for me because I scrolled through my Instagram and saw Finn Balor with the NXT title, and I was trying to avoid spoilers, but I forgot that I had WWE's Instagram. So that was kind of a bummer, but Finn Balor broke out the, the Bloody Sunday. That was great. I, I kind of wish he would have finished him with that, but, you know, those are minor nitpicks. Excellent match. Yeah. Uh, I saw, I, I'm not sure where I put this with the, you know, the NXT special matches and the Cena matches so far. I, in a way, I sort of liked it better maybe than the second Cena match because I felt like, you know, some of the near falls were more believable. Like, I I felt like at least the last Cena match, it just felt like they kept just doing moves that you knew weren't going to finish the match. Whereas here, they were at least uh, going for, and I, now, wait, I'm trying to remember. Valor did hit a double stomp off the top rope that was not the finish, right? Um, I thought, I don't know. I feel like he I can't did. I really recall. I mean, maybe he did, but I can't trust your judgment because you would probably uh, think that he did it from a fireman's carry position. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay, yeah, it looks like, yeah, okay, I'm reading through the reason that he did. I feel like if I wouldn't have had the, the ending spoiled for me, I would have enjoyed it significantly more, because I'm one of those people that if I know who wins a match, it's a little more difficult for me to enjoy it, but uh, yeah, it was it was an excellent match, definitely. Yeah, and they, like, like I alluded to earlier, Cole did play up a lot of uh, New Japan-related stuff and all that on commentary. He talked about Ballard being, you know, all of his reigns as IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, his reigns with the uh, in whatchamacallit, let's uh, Apollo 55 as the, uh, the junior tag team champions, winning best of the super junior, etc. And uh, that was definitely surprising. Oh, yeah, and in the opener, uh, he talked about how Jericho made his uh, Japanese debut in the in FMW, which he referred to as Frontier Martial Arts, which is not wrong, but was still weird to hear. I really, yeah. I was disappointed that the, that he only mentioned FMW because I would have, I really wanted to hear Cole talk about uh, Jericho's run in Wrestle and Romance. That, oh, that God. Would have been tremendous. It would have been, been awesome. Yeah, uh, so I was a little... Well, uh, it made me lose my train of thought. Good, good job, David. <laughs> hey, everybody. The <laughs> party's over. Podcast is done. David messed it up for everybody. Let's just go Actually, home. Let's, just, let's discuss this. Do we think that he did not use the words Wrestle and Romance because he thought he'd get in trouble if he used the phrase Wrestle and Romance? David, I don't know. I yeah. don't know, David. Oh, what yeah. I was going to say. 
I realize not not everybody watches New Japan, Ring of Honor, things like that. Not even all of our listeners listen to or, or watch NXT. Uh, obviously, a, a giant portion don't, and maybe seeing Finn Balor for you know not necessarily the first time, but the first few times. They did an awesome like thirty minute special on him that is on the WWE Network right now that goes over his career. Watch that before you watch Beasts in the East, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a good table setter. I believe they aired it right before the live showing of the special too. That they oh well, look at you fancy fans with the WWE Network schedule. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, is there anything else to say about this? Oh, yeah, they had uh, Tatsumi Fujinami come out after the match to congratulate uh, Fowler, and uh, it was it was kind of amusing in that you could tell that someone thought it would be, a, like, or it was in their heads that maybe they should hug or something, but Fujinami was trying to stay away from the body paint, which was kind of amusing, so they yeah. kept bowing at each other. And uh, <laughs> Owen came back in after, and... Fowler offered a handshake, and eventually, after teasing it, uh, Owens just kind of now gestured. I wonder if I wonder if Owen. I mean, Owens isn't on the television show for the next two weeks, from what I understand. Uh, that and leads me to wonder. I mean, they could do it like a Finn Balor Samoa Joe match at the August NXT Takeover event, but man, that card might be pretty thin without Kevin Owens if he's not on it, which. I don't know if he will be or not, because there's no Sami Zayn, there's no Atami, there's no Kevin Owens, Neville's on the main roster. Uh, obviously, they'll have one of their fantastic women's matches, uh, and that goes without saying, but I, I can see them doing uh, Joe and Balor, but they need they, they definitely need something right now, because they're, they're losing a lot of that luster. And isn't this at the Barclays Center? Yeah, so the way the way things look right now, it's going to be set up for five thousand people, but okay. they can scale for uh, for additional demand. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I'm really looks, interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not WrestleMania, but they, it is SummerSlam. There are a lot of travelers for SummerSlam. Plus, it's in New York anyway. Uh, you know, there will probably be people who weren't able to get tickets to SummerSlam that will want to go. If they were able to sell 5,000 tickets for for San Jose, I don't think they'll have too much of a problem selling 5,000 tickets here. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've already saw countless people. I have a lot of uh, New York-based followers, and I've seen countless people saying they're going. By the way, guys, unless you're eating, like, just ramen noodles every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner... Man, I don't see how you couldn't have the WWE Network. Jesus Christ, that is well worth my money every month, especially when they add events like this and take over next month and things like that. I mean, it, we've come a long way in just a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as much as it's not quite what a lot of us expected it to be, which I think came from uh, just how good classics on demand was in terms of like the archival stuff. I mean, you can't really argue with the pay-per-views being so much cheaper, the experiments like this today, I mean, all that stuff. Yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, one thing I really liked about the show, I think I, I alluded to hoping it would be like this when we did the preview on Monday, is that it felt like those those Raws they do from Japan that they stopped doing like 10 years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. 
that they they were that they were catering to the market, and it was a kind of a it was a because in Japan they want the authentic show, but and WWE had a good idea of how to do that while also giving it a unique flavor for the Japanese audience, and I think they did that successfully here. Yeah, I kind of wish they would have uh, stuck around and done Raw from Japan as well. That would have been kind of cool. And SmackDown. I wish they would have done SmackDown from Japan, but can't always get what you want. Yeah. So the main event, the alleged main event, highly anticipated main event. John Cena and Dolph Ziggler defeated Kane and King Barrett in 23 minutes and 50 seconds. Which I have Do not you believe in miracles? Now, I have not been to a WWE house show in a couple of years, but I don't remember the main events being quite that long. Well, Apparently they are now. But When you have the fiery underdogs, John Cena and Dolph Ziggler defeating King Barrett and Kane, uh, you got to pack a lunch, David Dixon's fan. You can't just go in there and beat the likes of Kane and King Barrett in five minutes. You have to earn it. And this was not a bad match or anything, but it was very much a by-the-numbers house show main event. Oh, I thought, Although, I thought it was a good match. Uh, the crowd uh, helped yeah, it become a much better match. Yeah. The crowd helped it become a much better match because it seemed like they really appreciated Kane, which was something very cool to see, because not many crowds uh, in North America can appreciate Kane, but... Oh, they were when really he, into Kane. I mean, they, oh, they loved him. Music hit. They were ooing and eyeing, and then they oh, oh yeah, they, they, they treated his they treated his uh, top rope clothesline like it was something special. And you know, really, it is something special. We've just seen it so many times that we've become numb to it. And I believe he threw in a power bomb that also got a great reaction. It was a twenty minute match. It, it was because uh, I actually went back and looked. It went twenty minutes. Seemed much longer than that. Uh, I get why they put Cena on last, because I mean he's he is globally the biggest star WWE has. So I completely understand that. Uh, but from a TV special perspective, I don't know if you necessarily even needed to air that match. Yeah, definitely. It's just almost like an extra. It's I would for UFC fans, I would compare it to. Oh gosh, what was the the fight where John Fitch had to go on after the, the Lesnar versus Frank Mir? Yes, so I, yes, Lesnar versus thought, Frank Mir, and John Fitch actually went on after them due to time constraints. That's sort of like what this is, but they had planned this along. Well, or and, as I as I, or as I put it, the uh, Bellator after dark of WWE main events. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Uh, this match was nothing, you know, that special. If I it was, it, but I mean, by all means, you could have stopped watching the show after the the Owens Balor match, and you would have been fine. And I think they they all knew that, but the crowd treated it like it was something special. So more power to them. Kane was also protected very well in the layout of the match, and much better than he's protected than he is on TV. I mean, he was still he was treated like a monster within the match, whereas on TV he's just a guy now. Yeah, well, I mean. Kane was in a match where uh, his gear was the the third least ridiculous of the entire match. So you got to protect a guy like that, you know. When when you got a guy coming out in a king crown and then a guy coming out in jorts, 
Although I don't know, Dolph Ziggler's jacket is pretty ridiculous as well. He looks like he looks like he got thrown out of a White Snake concert. Concert. So Kane was very very different in this match, and I liked it. Uh, I liked him being treated as as special and different. Although you know that just doesn't work over here, but it worked over there. And I don't know if they knew it would work, but it did. So great. But now now I really do want to know if. Uh... Cesaro versus Diego and Lucha Dragons versus New Day each went uh, almost 26 minutes. I really do want to find that out. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt that they went 26 minutes at all. Why? I don't know. Why not? They had to fill an, an, an entire like hour, hour and a half. When do, so they did? So the show did start at like something like I guess then like an hour before it started. Uh, yes, I believe. On the air, so. Okay. Yes, it did. Well, I guess it's possible. And there's, I do want to see it too, because because when it's a weird like improvised stalling house show match, those can turn out interesting too. So. Well, I mean, I don't know if, if, I don't know if either one of those matches. I mean, I'm sure 26 minutes is a long time, but they may not have even needed to stall. uh, Yeah, no, no, no. I don't mean stall. I don't mean stalling, stalling. I mean just, you know, however they would have chosen to prolong the match. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, Cesaro could do 26 minutes in his sleep, and between the four of um, New Day and Lucha Dragons, I'm sure 26 wasn't exactly the easiest thing, but uh, I'm sure it went okay. New Day won and Cesaro won, by the way, guys, just so you know. So, I mean, since it is sort of a related topic, that, yeah, we do have the... Uh, the next NXT special is going to be the night before SummerSlam, as we mentioned, from from Barclays Center. The first of three nights in a row from Barclays Center. With uh, I think we don't have a lineup yet, but it's going to be Barclays Center scaled for five thousand people. More if more by tickets, but and that's interesting. I mean, I can't think of the last time they did anything like this where they really scaled down a big arena like this. I think was when they did the ECW episode at in Philly where Van Damme lost the title to Big Show. Which I yeah, it was its own ta- it was it was its own taping. And I'm gonna unleash an NXT spoiler guys, so mute it for like a minute if you don't want to hear this, but from what they're I not listening live, they can skip past it for a minute. Yeah, whatever. Uh you can skip past it. There we go. I think the VOD villains become number one contenders. I don't know how you don't have Enzo and Cass in a uh tag title match at that show. They they need to make that happen. Well, they did just challenge for the titles and lose in a very stupid way, so I can't yes. get why they wouldn't do it two specials in a row. Well, it's Enzo and Cass, and they're going to be over big. They'd better be on that show. They'd better be oh, on that of show. Course they're on, they're, of course they will be. I'm sure they'll be on the show on some format. But, yes, yeah, so, excuse me. So, I mean, is there anything else really for us to talk about? I mean, I, I mean it's also... Excuse me. The other thing that uh, came out today was the launch of uh, the NWA Classics video on demand service that uh, Bruce Tharp has launched, which has footage from the uh, Houston Wrestling Library. And I'll only check out a little bit so far, and at least in terms of the matches they have on offer, lots of cool stuff. Um, mix of stuff from, from that they have from like 70s to 80s, but all sorts of guys. I mean, just the pet. Like I think they tried. So, to they, so they do have stuff from the '80s because that, from what I had read, that I didn't know if they were going to have things from the '80s, but they do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, right now they have a decent cross section of stuff from like 
mid or late 70s to like 85, 86. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, um, just as far as some of the things, like they had Shawn Michaels getting squashed in a match. They have, but they, I mean, that's the only one that I think that they really put on as like future star type match. They all, but lots of cool stuff, like uh, a lot of it that I've never really seen before, like the Funk Brothers against Mel Mascaris and Jose Lothario, uh, lots of Gino Hernandez. Uh, I'm trying to think for a second. So lots of stuff with good stuff with the Guerreros. Do they have the best of Mike Rapata on there? No, I don't think they put up any modern NWA stuff yet, even though I, I thought they would be. But I believe so, so far it's just the classic Houston stuff. The one complaint I have besides the, the navigability of the site is not great, um, which I think has to do with just trying to embed videos from the service they're using to do process the payments and hosting the video, so I sort of understand that, but uh, lots of really, I mean, lots of really interesting stuff up there, a few different Ric Flair matches, Teddy Biasi matches, uh, more Terry Funk, and there's lots, lots of good stuff, I believe, I, when I post, the press release I posted yesterday has the, uh, has not the complete lineup, but has a lot of the matches, but definitely, uh, Go check it out. At least check out the list of the matches. Check out the sizzle reel. See if you're interested. But the only other thing that I really don't like is that they did stretch the stuff to widescreen. Although they did it in a way that's not as bad as most people stretching stuff to widescreen because it gets progressively wider towards the edges. Like it's less. If you look at the side, it's like not as stretched in the middle, and then it starts moving out and out, and it gets more stretched. Which. If you want to stretch it, stretch it on your own TV. But apparently, if, yeah. if you don't like it, tweet Bruce Tharp. He seems to be receptive to feedback. But, yeah, I mean, people check that out. If you're into older stuff, especially that Houston stuff, not a lot of it has really been seen. Then uh, just go definitely check at least at least check out that uh, demo reel that they put together. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it for now. I mean, I don't know whether Yeah, they definitely targeted the market on fans that, screw up calling John Cena moves as Fireman Carry. All so. right. All right. So you can follow me on Twitter at David Dix. You can follow Sean on Twitter at Sean Ross Zach. Uh We will be back late Monday night after Raw with our usual weekly show. And I guess that is it. And yes, that one will sound like the shows normally do. I not much we could do this week. You'll get to hear my beautiful Kentucky accent with full clarity. Yes. So, yep, I guess that is it for now. So, thank you for listening. Uh, I love you guys. Not you, David, just the listeners. For Sean Ross I'm David Dixon's fan. So long for the Empire State, and uh, happy summer holidays. And this is, of course, me. I'm going to keep talking now because I forgot to have the talk show thing open to end this. So, bye, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.